We started off our intertwined series last week, and um, we started off with basically this theme verse of 1 Timothy. And we didn't actually start at the beginning of 1 Timothy. We're doing this series right here. Um, basically, it's a book study of 1 Timothy, and we're really going for it here. I didn't say this last week, but this is actually going to be a 12-week series, and we're just really going to tear apart this book. Um, we really want to know what it says, and I'll tell you just up front, it answers some really, really important questions. I mean, all those questions that you saw in the video there uh, will be answered and more. There's, there's just some hot topics in 1 Timothy, so we're going to kind of just take it apart, go for it, really look and find and search and um, really see what God wants to be saying to us. So we kind of kicked off last week with what, we, which, what I really believe is the theme verse of 1 Timothy, and it's 1 Timothy chapter 4 and, and verse 16, this is what it says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Okay, your doctrine we defined last week is what you believe. It's a set of beliefs, okay? So basically, here's what we said last week. This, this is kind of the bottom line that hopefully you walked away with last week. It was this thought, that belief and life are intertwined. Belief and life are intertwined. That is the theme of this whole series. That basically, here's how we kind of broke this up into two categories. Many people would say, well, I believe. I'm, I'm a believer, Okay, and yet their life doesn't really show that they're a believer. Okay, so in other words, they say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for me and he rose again. And yet their life doesn't really add up. As you look at their life, it's like, really? Like you really believe in in God? And, And people that really only believe but don't allow it to affect their life are really, and I've lived this way, we we walk around as hypocrites, you know, much of my life. I told you guys last week, probably the first 17, 18 years of my life, I walked around as somebody who said, I believe in Jesus, yet I don't see what it has to do with my everyday life. And so I kind of walked around as a hypocrite. And then there's the other side. Then there, this, is, this is where some of us might struggle. The other side of the fence here is that we are all about the way we live, but it's not fueled by a belief in a God who loves us and rescued us. And so here we are, and we're trying to live this life, and we're trying to, you know, with our own strength, we're trying to you know, do the right things. We're trying to earn God's favor. We're trying to make good decisions and we're frustrated and we're bored and we're, you know, ready to give up because we've realized something that's very true, that we can't do it. We can't live the life that would earn God's approval or God's favor. And so we said last week, it's so important that belief and life come together, that they be intertwined and that your belief in what Jesus did for you on the cross would then catapult you to live a life that he's called you to live. Okay, so the belief comes first because it's all about what he did on the cross for us. We get ourselves in trouble when we separate these two. When we, we keep belief over here and we keep life over here, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. Some of you guys have heard the beginning of this story. Uh, several years ago, I had some work done around our house and they just destroyed the front yard. And so I had to replant my grass in my front yard. And so I went out and um, I, I got... This stuff right here, this is Scott's starter fertilizer. I'm not getting endorsements for mentioning this, by the way. Um, and so I put all this down, man. My wife will tell you, we had like probably eight or nine yards of topsoil delivered. I'm raking it. I'm putting this stuff down. I'm watering it. I'm putting more of this stuff down, raking it again, more of this stuff. Going, no grass is growing, right? We're going, I started in spring. We're in like midsummer, still no grass, right? I mean, you look at the pictures, some nice grass coming up, right? I was like, sweet, all right, that's going to be my grass, you know? And so doing this, doing this over and over and over again, and nothing's happening. So I finally go into Home Depot one day, and I'm like, um, I've been putting down the grass seed for two months and nothing. I mean, like not even a weed's growing. I mean, I got nothing here. I'd take the weeds right now, you know? And so the guy just says to me, well, what are you using? And I said, well, 
<laughs> I'm using Scott's starter fertilizer, man. I'm using Scott's starter. And he goes, um, there's no seed in Scott's starter fertilizer. It's just fertilizer. So all you've been doing is fertilizing the life out of the soil. There's no grass in it, okay? And so I have the healthiest soil on Long Island um, right there in the front, okay? Now, the problem was what had happened was is I had separated, right, the seed and the fertilizer, okay? I'd made them two separate things. And I just want you to see, I've learned, this is what I bought the other day. Here we are. Look at this. You guys see? It's probably hard to, hard to see from back there. But we got fertilizer and seed in one bag here, right? Is that beautiful? All right? Isn't that beautiful? And, and guys, the truth is, is that is really what this looks like in our own lives, right? Um, I was trying to grow this seed, and I had the fertilizer there that was supposed to kind of, you know, catapult that seed up. It was supposed to nourish that seed. It was supposed to make it really grow. And that's, that's the problem, is that when I separated them, they didn't work. And that's the truth in our lives too. You know, these, the belief and the life, they're supposed to catapult each other. They're supposed to fertilize each other. They're supposed to cause this growth. Your belief in Jesus' death and resurrection, his love for you, the spirit of God's inside of you, that belief is supposed to fertilize your life and give you what you need. It's supposed to give you the nutrients you need to be able to live the life that God's called you to. So that is really kind of how we summed up, we can sum up week one. Now tonight, uh, as we look at these two things, belief in life, belief in life, intertwined, right? This whole book really bounces back and forth between these two different ideas. And tonight, we're really going to talk highly about belief, okay? We're not separating them, okay? It's just in First Timothy, he kind of bounces back and forth. One week we'll be at belief, next week we'll be at life, you know? And, and it just keeps on going back and forth. And if you look at the book as a whole, it's completely intertwined, these two areas, okay? And so tonight, we're going to talk really about why it's so important that we believe the right thing about Jesus. And how? How do you do that? How do you know if you're believing the right things about God? How do you know if you're believing the right things as you just look at life, as you look at your relationships? Are you looking through the right lens? Like, your beliefs in Jesus are a big deal, and they should be, like we're saying in the series, they should be impacting your decisions. They should be impacting your choices. And so our beliefs are kind of the bedrock of all this. Because like we said last week, the belief catapults the life, right? If you, again, if you're just living this life, trying to do what God wants you to do, it's not, and, and you're not enabled by your belief in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, then you're just going to keep on being frustrated. So we got to get this right, okay? We have to understand this. We have to really get down that our belief in Jesus is what will lead us to really the results that we want in life. It's, it's, it's amazing. He saves us, and He becomes the lover of our life, the lover of our soul, um, and yet He then also wants our life to head certain places. And so if you are thinking like, well, you know what I would love in life? I would love a heart full of love that's just complete and whole. You know, some of us are sitting here tonight broken. Our hearts are broken. Our hearts are, are falling apart. Did you know that right belief in Jesus right understanding of God, it will actually heal that? Did you know that? Did did you know that maybe, I'm not saying this is true for everybody, but maybe if you're sitting here with a broken heart tonight that's not full of love, you're full of anger, you're full of, of, you know, just frustration, you're full of things that are, you know, everything that's the opposite of love right now, then it could be traced back to possibly being that you don't believe rightly about Jesus. You don't understand Scripture the right way. Maybe some of you guys are saying, well, love's not my issue, but faith, man. I, I, I struggle with faith. And you guys have heard me talk a lot about this. This was a big struggle in my own life, right? Did you know 
that when you believe rightly about Jesus and you understand Scripture correctly, that you're going to have strong, sincere faith. You're not going to be bouncing back and forth like Scripture says, right? Okay, what about uh, a pure heart? Imagine that. Some of us are here tonight going, man, that's my issue. I I don't have a pure heart. I I don't have a, a pure mind. I don't have a good conscience. Did you know that all these things, guys, love, sincere faith, a pure heart, a good conscience, all these things come when we understand Scripture correctly and our belief is in Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So the, the question is, well, then, yikes, but how do we do all that? Do you like how I use yikes? It's like a 60-year-old term, you know? I think my great-grandpa came up with that one. Um, so tonight, we're really going to talk more about this because the problem is, as I'm saying, okay, if you want love and you want good, you know, faith and you want a good conscience and all these things, then it really is linked to what you believe about Jesus and it really is linked to your understanding of God's Word. Then the opposite is also true. The opposite also true is, is if our belief about God is wrong, if our understanding of Jesus is wrong, our understanding of Scripture is wrong, then those things won't be true of us. Okay? And, and what's scary is, is it's very easy for us to have our beliefs about God wrong. It's so easy. It, it's very easy for us to get our understanding of Scripture all messed up. And the reason that is, is because there are people that are constantly cramming what they think about God down our throats. Isn't that true? Right? There's two kind of groups I think this is true of. There's those people that are outside the church. Let's just say people that, that would say, well, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't love God. And so what kinds of things are they saying? Well, God doesn't exist, or Jesus wasn't God, or all roads lead to heaven, right? And so that's constantly kind of coming at us. What does that result in? Well, man, suddenly, I don't know, man, that, that, that faith issue. I don't know if I have a heart of faith anymore. You know, I'm struggling in this. Like I told you guys in the evidence series, uh, that was almost my story. It was because of a world religions class and a philosophy class in college, I almost lost the heart of faith. And in that time, I was miserable. There was no pure heart. There was no good, good conscience. There was no heart of love. There was depression. There was misery. There was sadness. There was brokenness. There was emptiness. And so I can see how you know, my struggle to believe in that time really led to some dark, dark places. So that's the first group. And that's kind of the obvious group are the ones outside the church. Of course, they're going to, you know, talk down about God and tell me there's no Jesus and all this stuff. You know what's just as dangerous, maybe more dangerous, is actually people inside the church. Pastors, teachers, uh, authors, guys out there in podcast world, you know, that are teaching things about God that aren't true. That's more dangerous. You know why? Because we're listening and we're tuned in and we're going, oh, okay, that sounds good and that lines up and he's saying God loves me and he's saying that Jesus this. And, but yet, sometimes they can just manipulate or without even realizing it, misunderstand Scripture. And now our belief about God, our belief about Jesus is tweaked. And so our lives are tweaked because belief and life are intertwined. So what do we do? How do we believe correctly? How, how do we know Jesus rightly? What is it that can ground us? What is it that can really keep us in the right spot? And if you're not a Christian here tonight, we're so glad that you came. This is awesome that you're here, and there's no pressure on you at all. We just hope you enjoy the night, and I hope to be able to speak to you a little bit. And maybe you're wondering, well, okay, here you are talking about how important belief is. Belief in Jesus, how important it is. And maybe your question is, why? Why should I believe Jesus at all. What's in it for me? What is the deal? Why, why are you putting all this emphasis 
on faith and on belief in this man who may or may not have lived, you might be questioning. Well, tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And so here's what I want to do, guys. I want to read, and we're going to start out 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 1. And we're going to find out three things tonight. We're going to find out who wrote it, who they wrote it to, and why they wrote it. Okay? So here we go. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. Two, Timothy, my true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so here's what we got so far. We got Paul is the author of this letter. And it's a letter. Okay? It's a, to us, 2,000 years later, it's this book of the Bible, right? But Paul's just writing a letter, and he's writing it to this guy, Timothy. Now, who's Paul? Paul, for those of you guys who don't know, was a God-hater, could not stand God, wanted to kill people, did not believe in Jesus. Suddenly, Jesus shows up in his life in a real way, and he becomes the guy that's going around the world, literally, telling everyone, Jesus is alive, he does love you, and he died on a cross to rescue you. You know, gets thrown in jail, gets thrown in prison, gets beaten. Eventually, actually, is killed for his faith. In Jesus, okay? So that's Paul. Now, who's Timothy? Timothy, as far as we know, is a guy who was really young. You find that out later in in 1 Timothy. He was really passionate for God, loved God. He uh, probably became a Christian through Paul. And uh, he traveled the world with Paul and just was going for it, man. And so here's Paul writing Timothy. And I was thinking about this. It's kind of like me writing a letter to Andrew or Ryan or Joey, okay? Here are these guys. I love these guys. They're younger. They're passionate. We work together. We've literally traveled the world together, Belize and all kinds of crazy places, doing cool stuff. And, and you know, so imagine me writing uh, a deep letter to these guys about a conversation we'd had. You know, I can just imagine probably be like, as per our discussion about the end of Inception... Um, yes, it's true that the kids were wearing similar clothes, but did you know that if you look on IMDb, they were actually older children that played that role. Now it could be because they were actually older or because Leonardo just projected that they'd be older, right? So, you know, kind of thankfully, thankfully Paul and Timothy have a little bit more of a deep discussion here about some things that actually matter. All right. And so here's what he says. Verse 3, we kind of start to find out why he's writing this. He says in verse 3, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. So Paul and Timothy have traveled together. They've told, told people about God. And Paul here is saying, all right, I want you to stay there. And then he tells them why. You ready? Ready for why? So that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Timothy, you know what I want you to do? You know what your job is? I want you to stay there, and I want you to really carefully watch what you believe and what others believe. I want you to make sure that people aren't teaching doctrines, which, like I've said, a set of beliefs or beliefs from what we know to be true. And this literally means don't let them deviate from the truth. And what's the truth? The truth is all about Jesus. The truth is that Jesus has died for us, that he's risen again, and that now we're called to live this life for him, for who he is, for his glory, right? And so he says, all right, Timothy, you got to watch out that people don't start teaching things that aren't true. you got to guard these people under your care, and you have to make sure that what both you and they are believing is true. He goes on a little bit further in verse 4. He says, 
nor to devote themselves to myths or endless genealogies, okay? So he's saying, all right, be careful what they believe. And look, people are going to start bringing up weird stuff, Timothy. Just be careful. They're going to start talking all kinds of myths about where angels came from and genealogies of spirits and all these kinds of weird things. And he goes, look, he's like, don't allow that stuff. Be on top of this. Carefully watch what you believe. Well, well Paul, why should I carefully watch what I, what I believe? Because the way that you believe, your belief in Jesus is going to determine what your life looks like because belief and life are intertwined. So he goes on, he says a little bit further, he says, these promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. So he says, look, don't let them start teaching weird doctrine. Don't let them start teaching myths and all these fables and all these wives' tales and all this stuff. Because the truth is, guys, these don't promote faith. They promote controversy. Okay? Um, If you have your Bible with you tonight, would you just, if you have a pen with you and you don't mind writing in your Bible, I want you to circle in that verse. Just circle controversy and faith. Because these are the two opposites in this verse. He's saying, look, if you allow these people to believe things that aren't true, then you know what's going to happen? Controversy. Not faith. They're not going to grow in their relationship with God. They're not going to get closer to God. But instead, there's going to be simply controversy and guys you got to just you know paul's writing this here and just think about this with me all right he's thinking about people sitting around stroking their goats right right thinking right and analyzing and going hmm what does this mean and what about that wives tale and and what about this genealogy and what about the origin of angels and and he's just going he's going dude i'm telling you right now all it's going to do is hinder people from their faith and it's going to cause controversy among you guys. And guys, the reality is, is that this is just as necessary for us to do today. 2,000 years later, it's just as necessary for us to be carefully watching what we believe because there's so much junk out there. I don't know if you guys know this, but the world is actually going to end in 13 days. I don't know if you guys know that. There's a guy named Harold Camping, and he has predicted that on May 21st that that, that's it. Uh, if you haven't left your local church and followed him and listened to him, then you're, you're done. You're not going to make it. And you know what's crazy is, as, as, as a lot of us even laughed at that, I know people who believe this. I know some of you guys know people who believe this stuff. There's some crazy stuff out there. We've got to carefully watch what we believe. I don't know if you guys know about another controversy that's going on right now. If you guys have heard of Rob Bell. This guy, I loved Rob Bell, man. Ten, ten years ago, five, ten years ago, I was listening to that guy like once, twice a week, listening to these podcasts, you know. And as I was listening more and more, he was getting more and more weird. And I just started going, man, what's going on with this guy? And just recently, he's come out with a book called Love Wins, and it talks all about how all roads lead to heaven and how he's even, God is even going to change people and save people after they've already died. Okay, now this is a pastor of one of the biggest churches in America. That's scary stuff. Like, not what the Bible says. And so we got to carefully watch what we believe. Uh, I think out there is, as I brought up before, the prosperity gospel. is this idea that, you know, it's all about us and that we're supposed to just be able to get whatever it is that we might want. And we're actually going to talk. The last part of 1 Timothy talks about money and talks about 
just being careful with that trap of money. And I hope for some of you guys that might be buying into some of this, that'll just kind of be the last nail in the coffin for you as we see what Paul had to say to Timothy about this prosperity idea of money and wealth and selfishness. And, and I think, guys, some of you guys might be looking at all those things going, well, that's not me. I'm not really affected. I don't think the world's ending in 13 days. It's 14. Um, no, I, you know, I don't really believe in this kind of stuff. I don't rob Bell, whatever. You know. But here's the one. You ready? I think this is the one that will hit home for us tonight. One of the most dangerous things that we can do is sit around with our Bibles, either by ourselves or with somebody else or with a group of people, and decide what this verse means to me. You know, sit around and say, oh, well, I take this verse this way. And then your buddy goes, oh, that's cool, because for me, for the same verse, I take it this way. This is what it means to me. And then somebody else goes, oh, well, this is what that verse means to me. See, guys, can you catch this? This is huge. If you guys grab this, oh, save us a lot of controversy, okay? And at first when I say this, you're going to be like, fire this guy. He doesn't belong preaching stage. Scripture, you ready, shouldn't mean anything to you. It shouldn't mean anything to you. It should mean what it means. It should mean what the guy who originally wrote, it should mean what he meant when he wrote it. Now, it should speak to you. It should speak to me. It should apply to us. But it shouldn't be something that's subjective that we can look at and go, hmm, I think this is what it means. No, I think this, right? And and I'll take it this way and you take it that way, right? It, It means what it means. Can you guys see the danger of us just kind of sitting around and interpreting Scripture the way we want to interpret it? You guys see how we can get ourselves off track? And none of us are above this. I'm not above this. That's why we need each other, right? And so we have to be so careful with this because I think of the other day uh, I was working out. I know you guys can tell. And um, my daughter, Bryn, she looks at me. She goes, why are you doing that? Right? And I said, because I, I want to I get in shape. And she goes, you want to be a square or a triangle? Right? And I was like, no, honey, not that kind of shape. All right? You know? Right? Now, what had she done? She didn't do anything wrong, right? She just interpreted it as she knew to interpret it. It meant to her what it meant to her. Can you just imagine her walking around the school the next day? My dad wants to be a square, you know? I mean, just, right? Okay? So there's such a danger there because here she is taking it away that I didn't mean it, right? And that's what we do so often with Scripture, I think, and we really get ourselves in trouble. We're reading it, and we're going, okay, this is what this means, and and if only Paul could be sitting in the room next to you going, dude, that's not what I, what I meant when I wrote that. You know, John's, John's going, that's not what I meant when I wrote that. Again, let's bring this back. Why does this matter? This matters because if belief really catapults us to the way that we live, then if we're believing wrong about what Scripture says, we're believing wrong about what Paul wrote or what John wrote or what Jesus said, then suddenly now our lives are lived in a way that are not on track with the way God intended it. And so this is dangerous stuff. And so they promote controversies. You guys who have your Bibles, you, controversies rather than faith. Those are the two extremes. Those are the contrasts there. You can write contrast in your, in your Bible there if you want to. Verse 5, we see the other side of this. He says, the goal of this command. You ready? And we're going to leave this, this verse up on the screen for a few minutes here. I want to tell this apart well. The goal of this command is love. Well, what's the command? We've got to go back to this. Don't get confused here. Stick with me. The goal of this command, the command was, don't get messed up on your doctrine and don't start believing myths and all this kind of crazy talk. 
right? He's saying the goal of that command, the goal of me telling you not to get screwed up in your doctrine and what you believe about God is love. That's the goal. You see, when we believe rightly about God, like I've been saying since the beginning of this message here, we believe rightly about Jesus, love. Which comes from what? A a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So when we believe wrongly about God, those are things we don't have. We believe wrongly about God, we end up at controversy. When we believe correctly what Scripture says, when we believe correctly about a God who sent His Son to save us and rescue us. We have hearts of love. We have hearts that are pure, good conscience, and a sincere faith. You see the power of believing correctly? You see that it does matter? See, if I'm honest, as I kind of grew up in church world, um, I kind of thought that deep teaching kind of equaled boring and irrelevant teaching, unclear teaching. And I'm really, like, by God's grace, it's something he's teaching me and growing me in is, is to realize that, that deep is necessary and that deep can be clear and deep can be incredibly relevant, especially when you're trying to figure out how to live a life of love and pure heart and a good conscience and faith. You see, belief really matters. The deep stuff really does matter. And my heart for us as a church, guys, is, is to be a church that is deep in God, not deep meaning unclear and I don't know what he was even talking about and he was like way up here over my head. No, man, deep should hit our hearts because I think God created us to be people that live at deep places. And even if you're not a Christian tonight, I mean, there they are. Love, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. You want to know why you should believe? Because those are the things God will produce in your heart and your life as you do. Those are the things God will begin to do. See, that's what's so cool about the people that are sitting here in the seats around you is that these are things we begin to see God do in our hearts. Not perfectly. We don't get it right all the time. But these are things that more and more, if we're believing rightly about God, are being produced in our life. Let's go on a little bit further. He says, verse 6, Some have wandered away from these. Well, what's these? It's the four things we've been listing. Love, pure heart, good conscience, and faith. Some have wandered away from love and a pure heart and a good conscience and faith, and they've turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So guys, you know what Paul's telling Timothy? Look, people are going to sound good. Guys, people are going to sound so convincing. They're going to sound confident, and they're going to affirm this stuff, and you're going to go, wow, I've never heard somebody talk like that before. Man, why can't Doug be that good? Or like, you know... It sounds so, so good. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. And they wander away from truth. And they wander away from what God really wanted us to know. And so here's what I want you guys to take with you tonight. And, I, and then I want to just give you some practical ideas to how to live this out. All right, just this bottom line, this thought. Let us live with you this week. Watch carefully what you believe. Watch carefully what you believe. If you guys have your Bibles, write that little bottom line in the margin of your Bible, right, right by these verses. Go for it. You won't, you won't get in trouble, I promise. Not bolt the lightning, like knock the pen out of your hand, okay? All right? Watch carefully what you believe. That's what he's saying here. Timothy, watch carefully what these people believe. Don't let them buy into all kinds of craziness because you know what? It will lead to controversy and people will wander away 
from the, tr- from the truth. And so let me give you guys just some practical ideas here. Here's what I want to ask you to do. And then really everything falls underneath this, okay? What I want to ask you to do is to put everything you hear through the filter of God's word. Everything you hear, even, even what I say. Put everything you hear through the filter of God's word. Check it. Because like we've been saying through this whole thing, belief matters. Belief leads to love, pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. All things I think we all want. And so be careful. Carefully watch what you believe and make sure that when you hear something, be it me, be it a pastor from a different church or a book you're reading or the Bible itself as you're trying to understand it, I think if I could just kind of point this out here, we're going to do some real kind of intense looking at this over the next few weeks, but I think one of the things we do um, that's really dangerous is we'll look at one verse in one little corner of the Bible and we'll miss what the rest of the Bible has to say about that one thing and we'll get ourselves in a lot of trouble. And so be sure that even when you're reading the Bible, you're going, okay, I'm going to make sure that even this one verse is going to make sense and jive with the rest of the way that the Bible goes, with the rest of the story here. Another word from uh, the 60s, jive. I like that. That was good. All right? So please, guys, do that. Another thing uh, I'm going to ask you to do is I want you guys to be bringing your Bibles. Bring your Bibles with you. Here's why. We've forever used these screens, and we're going to continue to. Okay? And the reason that... We use these screens because people come in that don't have Bibles and we want them to be on the same page with us. Um, also because some of you guys will have different Bible versions than I have up here. I use the NIV, okay? Some of you guys use like, you know, whatever it might be, the NLT or the ESV or the KFC or, you know. Um, and so I want you guys to be able to like, as you have your Bibles open to First Timothy, right, as we're going through this series, I want you to be able to look up on the screen and be able to read along with us and not get all confused and wait, which verse is he in again, okay? So we're going to keep on using the screens, but I want you guys to have your Bibles so that you have your filter with you and you guys are able to have it right there. And like tonight, I've been asking you guys to write little stuff down or circle little stuff or make little notes, whatever, okay? Just bring it so that we can kind of be there together looking at stuff, all right? Now here is, I think, uh, the most practical that we can get tonight, okay? is as you read your Bible, okay? And I hope you guys are, let me just for a second talk about this. I hope you guys are reading your Bibles. And our prayer tonight as a staff before we came out here was that for those of us that think the Bible is boring and completely not able, you know, we're not able to understand it, that God would change that in us. And I will tell you right now, my, uh, you know, a big part of my job is to read this thing Try to be able to bring it out here, understand it for what it is, and bring it out and present it to you. From a guy who used to hate reading the Bible. Okay, so if you hate reading the Bible, you're looking at a guy that used to be true of. And now, by God's grace, I love it. I love it. And so, you know, let me just say this up front. If you, like, can't stand reading the Bible, would you begin to ask God, would you give me a love for it? Would you give me a passion for it? If you just don't understand it, and I, I get that, I get that sometimes we just literally, it's like, this might as well have been written in the original Greek in this copy because it looks like that to me, okay? Ask God, God, would you give me understanding? Okay, so that's all good stuff. Um, some of you guys can write this, This. Uh, oh man, I lost the, no, I got it. 
BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com. Some of you guys are like, well, how do I know what it really means? And BibleStudyTools.com, you can look at all kinds of awesome commentaries. You can look at literally what the Greek looks like. And I mean, it's, it's awesome stuff. So you can kind of find your way around there. I'd be happy to help any of you guys. But ask these two questions as you read the Bible. You ready? The first one, okay? First one is, what was the author trying to say? Not what does it mean to me? You're reading Timothy? Okay, well, who wrote it? Paul. What was Paul trying to say? Not what do I think Paul was trying to say, not what do I wish Paul was trying to tell me, not what, you know, did I hear that pastor say Paul said, but what was he really trying to say? And guys, I don't know how else to say this, okay? And this might turn some of you guys off, but just true. This takes some work. Don't tell me you're not willing to do it because you will be on Facebook, you know, doing research on people, right? It's called stalking, okay? <laughs> you will be, right, on Facebook, learn, oh, he lived in that town, and these are my friends in common with him, and that's what he looked like in the second grade, and okay, okay, you do research, you sports fans, you can name all the stats, you movie people, you can tell me the new movie that this guy's going to be in, and that girl's going to be in, and, and, and how old he was when he was in The Godfather, and I mean, you guys, right, you guys do research, don't tell me that you don't do research, or you don't care, just, just find your thing, you know, video games, you guys, music, you guys do tons of research, you just care about that, you know what I mean, you just care about it, all right, so, I mean, just to bring this all back, if we want love, and good conscience, and faith, right, then we got to love this, we got to love this, we got to be willing to go on the BibleStudyTools.com, and look up what that verse means, because I honestly don't understand it, we got to be willing to spend time, Knowing God, because right belief in Jesus leads to love and good conscience and faith and a pure heart. What we believe matters, okay? So ask yourself that question. What was the author trying to say? And you might be sitting there going, I, 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 man, the last thing I want to do is make you guys afraid to read this. I just want to make sure you're reading it with the right lens on, okay? And so open up the Word of God. And to be completely honest, a lot of it is just story. And you, it's easy to understand, what it's saying or what it means. And there are some difficult places there. I'm not going to lie to you. So that's when you call up a friend who's been a Christian longer than you or you go to BibleStudyTools.com or you come talk to me or our staff or whatever you might want to do and say, I've just been racking my brain. I can't get this. Email us, Facebook us, whatever. We want you to understand God's word, okay? So that's the first question. Second question, so important. How does what he said apply to me? How does what he said apply to me? How does what Paul told Timothy apply to me today, like here, right now, so that I didn't just read this, so that I could check it off and say I'm a good Christian today because I read the Bible, but how is it actually going to change my life? Because belief and life are intertwined. So how is this going to affect me today? Guys, if we do this, I told you up front, this is work. I told you up front, it's not always going to be easy. You're going to have to ask questions. You're going to have to search and dig. But if we do this, we will be people that have hearts of love. Pure hearts. Good conscience. And sincere faith. That's the kind of person I want to be. We're willing to do this in all the other arenas of our lives that we care about. And here we were 20 minutes ago, half hour ago, singing our songs to God, telling Him how much we love Him. Right? And so, shouldn't it translate into walking out of these doors 
and at least being able to say, God, I got to be honest with you. I don't like your word. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's confusing. It doesn't really seem like it makes any sense to me. God, would you please give me a love for it? Would you give me an understanding for it? We say this from the stage all the time, but God wants that for you more than you want that for you. And so allow him to give you that desire. And guys, that's another reason why it's so great that you come here. Because no matter who's standing up on the stage, by God's grace, we're doing our best to help you understand what this word says. And so keep coming. Keep, you know, allowing us to do our best to help lead you guys more and more to truth. And, and I need that too. You know what I love is that I get to sit here on Friday night and hear Joey or Andrew Ryan preach and my heart's touch and I learn things I didn't know. And Sunday morning, same is true. And then we'll be in community group and we'll be going through a book of the Bible and somebody will say something and be like, I never even thought of it that way. I'm not like a professional Christian, okay? And so it's awesome that here we are and God's doing things and we're all learning and we're just gonna keep on going. And we won't get sidetracked to controversy. And we won't wander from the truth. But we'll be people that are mature. We'll be people who are catapulted with this belief in Jesus to live lives of love and pure hearts and good consciences and deep faith. And that's powerful. And so carefully watch, guys. Carefully watch what you believe. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so grateful to you that you've given us your word. And um, God, we, we want to understand it. God, I, I believe even the people in here tonight that would say it bores me or I just don't have a passion for it, that deep down there's a hunger in them to really know you through your word, to live these lives, God, to see these results in our heart. And so help us, God. If you're a Christian, no matter where you are, whether you already love God's word or you really, you know, you just feel like you get nothing out of it, would you just go to him and be honest? If you're, if you're already somebody that loves to spend time there, then just say, God, would you even increase that desire? Would you give me more understanding? Would you give me more wisdom? And if you're just not there at all, just be real with him. And if you're not a Christian, why should you believe? Why should you believe? Because belief in what Jesus did on that cross Belief in His grace is what saves you. It's not what you do. First, you believe, and then He empowers you to do. But it's about what you first and foremost believe about Him. And so there's nothing more awesome than somebody who's willing to say, well, tonight I can't explain it. I don't have all the answers. I don't even know why. I can't believe I even feel this way. But tonight there's something in me that, that wants to believe in this God that wants to believe that somebody came and suffered for me and was put on a cross to remove my guilt and my sin and my shame so that I could spend eternity in heaven with him. Maybe that's where you are tonight. Why believe? Because it's that belief in his grace and what he did for you that saves you and then fills you with a heart of love, good conscience, and deep faith. And so if you want to respond to him tonight, you don't get saved by praying a prayer. You get saved by God doing something in your heart. And he's probably already doing that. But if you want to kind of open this conversation, you want to call out on his name, then you can just pray this quietly to him. Jesus, thank you for showing me tonight that you love me. I pray you'll help me more and more to see how real you are. Thank you for dying for me on the cross, for rising from the dead. 
Now, God, forgive me for my sin. And help me to grow in my belief in you. And carefully watch what I believe. Give me understanding as I read the Bible. Just help me, God. Love you more and more. In your name, amen.